comes from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. When Solomon, Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. 400 years. Think of that. 400. Right? America... I don't even think is quite 400 years old yet, are we? I mean, we're in like the 300 something, something, something. It was like 1776, right? See, I pay attention, Mom. 400 years. 400 years. The people chosen by God from Israel were in captivity in Egypt. And while they were in Egypt, they began to give up on God. Is he real? Does he exist? Does he care about my well-being? Well, some faithful ones cried out, Lord, deliver us. Please bring us freedom from this oppression. For each new leader of Egypt put harder and harder and harder regulations on the people of Israel. They had to come up with the same amount of bricks, but they weren't given any material. They had to go and gather their own material, but their quota was still the same, right? That'd be like saying to somebody who makes clothing, hey, your quota at the end of the day is still the same amount of articles of clothing, but now you actually have to go and gather your own materials too. Isn't that an insane saying? So these people desperately wanted God, and they wanted God in their life for freedom. Then came Moses. And Moses led them out of Egypt. And when he led them out of Egypt, they didn't know where to go because they weren't really sure how to go home. Imagine being lost for 400 years. Some things would have changed, right? I go back to my hometown that I've been gone for about 15 years. I'm like, where'd that stoplight come through as I blow through it, right? If, you've not, if you haven't been back to Lincoln for a long time, if you grew up here and you're going to ride down Pollard Road now, there are two stop signs. That weren't there before. I remember when they went in, the night that they went in, right? I wasn't paying attention. I came out of Pollard. I had a mission, and it was called Coneheads. Ice cream. I had a mission, and I had friends from Michigan with me, and I just pull out on a Pollard road, and we're going. We're going to, we're going to Coneheads. What happens when I hit Church Street? I went right through, and my friend from Michigan goes, Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, bro? He goes, Locals don't have to stop. I go, was there a stop sign there? He goes, yeah, big red one said stop. And I'm like, oh, right? So they didn't know where they were going because things had changed. Well, what got them to the promised land? The Bible says that a cloud, a pillar, a cloud pillar by day and a cloud of fire, a pillar of fire by night led them. And that represented the presence of the living God, the actual presence of the living God. Fast forward, they make it. Fast forward, they conquered the land. Fast forward, they get a good king named David. And David's heart 
was to build a beautiful building for God. He wanted to build a building for God so bad. One, because he really did love God. And two, he felt guilty. He felt guilty because God had given him a beautiful home. David had an unbelievable palace. And at the time, the worship tent or the place of God's dwelling was a canvas tent outside the city. And David didn't like how that set. He's like, Lord, here you are, heaven and earth. You've made it, and yet you have a canvas-walled tent for your house. And my house is built with the cedars of Lebanon, and they're covered with the gold and silver. And God said, well, not yet, not yet. Your son will build my house for me. So then in comes Solomon, right? In comes Solomon. And there are specifics on how he's supposed to build the temple. You know where those specifics came from? His dad. And you know who gave those to him? The Holy Spirit. So David, late at night, I'm sure, had been drawing the temple of the Lord. And when Solomon took over as king, he said, you're going to do this, son. And you're going to make the name of Jesus Christ famous. I didn't know that name. They called it by the Mashiach back then, the Messiah, the Savior, right? And what's incredible, I don't think these people really had a clue what was going on. Because they built this absolutely gorgeous building. And they worked on it, and they covered it in gold. They did all these crazy things. If you read some of the account, the bronze that they used, and the gold that they used, and the silver that they used was tons and tons and tons and tons. All right? And the wood from Lebanon, the cedars from Lebanon, they had these giant cedar beams that were going in to the house of God. And then they moved what they called the box of agreement, or the box of the covenant, It was the Shekinah glory. It was where God's presence dwelt. Because no human could be in the presence of God. Right? The presence of God has been been compared to that of the sun. Do we need the sun? Yes, we need the sun for our energy. We need the sun for our heat. We need the sun for our oxygen because it causes our plants to grow. The sun is a good thing. What would happen if we tried to land on the sun right now? Burn up, right? As we got closer, we would absolutely explode into flames because it is too much for us. Too much energy coming out of the sun to get close. God is the same way. His holiness is so powerful. It's like the sun. We need it to grow. We need it to be warm. We need it to be satisfied. But if we were to approach the holiness of God, (laughs) I would burn up long before my wife. She'd get closer. But I would burn up, I wouldn't even start the journey and just, boom, spontaneously combust. (laughs) I've got some issues. Um, We talked about them two weeks ago. Um, You should check it out on the podcast if you didn't see it. Um, So what happened was, here's Solomon, right? Here's Solomon. And what I want you guys to take away from this, anything, is this. The glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Loon Mountain Ministry might have beautiful mountaintop church services. We might be so blessed because we have unbelievable musicians that just randomly show up because God is awesome. We might have phenomenal people in the kitchen that put out unbelievable meals. We might have wonderful people that volunteer for children's ministry. We have outreach events like, you know, Christmas Eve service and Easter sunrise service and, 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 and trunk or treat and all these things, an unbelievable youth group. We are fortunate here, very, very fortunate at Loon Mountain Ministry. However, 
If the presence of the Almighty God, if the presence of the Lord is not in what we do, we do it in vain. The presence of the Lord filled this temple so much. I love this. It says, the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Now here's what's crazy about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was confined to what they call the temple. Right? One place over in Israel. And after this chapter in 2 Chronicles 7, after, you know what happens? Solomon gives this giant prayer and then instructions. And these instructions will be kind of familiar to some of you if you understand the, like the Muslim religion. He said, every time you leave this place, you must pray facing Jerusalem, wherever you are. He said this to the people of God. If you are down south, you face north. If you are up north, you face south. If you're to the east, you face west. If you're from the west, you face east. When you pray, you pray toward the presence of the Almighty God. And the Muslims do that. They pray towards Mecca. They believe that that's where the presence of Allah is. Now here's what's crazy. If you continue reading in Scripture, you get to this place called the New Testament. And there's this gentleman introduced named Jesus. And Jesus claims to be God in the flesh. The actual presence of God. Which was a huge blasphemy. That's why it threw the religious people for a whack loop. Then he died, rose again on the third day, and went to the Father. And what he said, he said this, I am with you always, and I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. So listen, folks, during the writing of this, the presence of the Lord was in one place and could only be approached by certain people. What did Jesus do? Jesus took the presence of the Lord and made it available for sinners like you and me to house the presence of the Almighty God. Right here. Right here. Look at me. I'm broken. I'm very broken. But by the power of Jesus Christ's blood and my faith in him for my salvation, my broken life houses the presence of the Almighty God. You too. You too. So this weekend, we had our board of directors retreat. So our board of directors, some of them here, Andre is our treasurer. If you get a chance to say hi to him, want to know some things about numbers, Lord knows, don't ask me. Ask Andre. I hate numbers. If you want to know numbers about the ministry, ask Andre. If you want to know numbers about my house, ask my wife. I failed in math. Um, we got Jen sitting right next to him. Jen is our secretary. She takes notes. She keeps us organized. You can pray for her and pray hard for her. Uh, Patty uh, is not feeling well, so we're going to pray for Patty. She's back at the house. Patty is one of our local folks representing you as a local church, right? Uh, and Sharon is on our board. She's doing Operation Christmas Trials this morning. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon also is a wealth of local knowledge. And you've only lived here in town for about 10 years, I think. Um, <laughs> Sharon's been here for a few years in town. And so she's kind of, uh, you know. And then our, our chairman of our board couldn't be with us this morning. His name is Jim Smith. He has been on this board for 27 years since this ministry began, which is really, really, really cool. And uh, he is filling in as an interim pastor down in southern, um, oh, actually northern Mass, and they had a baptism today. So he really couldn't miss that. So he's going down there uh, and baptizing them today. During our board meeting, 
right? We talked a lot about the organization and how it works and how's the flow and who's where and what do they do and what are we doing. There is a lot. There is a lot going on at Loon Mountain Ministry, and it is completely apparent that the Lord is leading the charge. Because listen, I make mistakes every day, and yet I make mistakes. God is continuing to bless this ministry. And he's blessing this ministry not because he wants Loon Mountain Ministry to be known or famous, not because he wants Lincoln or Woodstock to be famous, not because he wants the White Mountain to be famous. God is all about the whole world knowing him. Because he knows when the world knows him, they will be redeemed. And that's the, that's the only reason why Loon Mountain Ministry continues to be on its track. And that's what the Lord wanted here. The Lord wanted his name to be known in Egypt and in Africa and in Spain and in Germany and in France and in England and in the New World, the South and North America. That's what God's all about. So folks, it is our prayer. It is our mission at Loon Mountain Ministry that we ask the Lord to fill the, everything with his presence. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Where does that begin? It doesn't begin with a nice church service. It doesn't begin with a good orotated sermon. It begins with your intimacy with God. Yours, not mine, yours. It begins with you coming to a place in your personal life where I'm not there, even your spouse isn't there, and your children isn't there, and you fall on your knees and you say, Lord, I need you. I want to be intimate with you. I don't know what to do. I'm following after a lot of other things. I want to be intimate with you, the maker of the stars, the one that can hold the oceans in his hands, right? And it doesn't matter where you are. If you're angry at him, go for it. Yell at him. He's a big boy. He can take it. Yell away. If you feel very distant for him, ask him to show himself to you. If you're sad, if you're brokenhearted, be real with him. Tell him what's going on. If you're distracted, be honest with yourself. I'm distracted. I'm distracted by ministry. There's many times I miss intimacy with my maker because I'm just doing ministry. And I deem it as okay because it's ministry. It's not like it's some drug that kills you. Oh, contraire. Ministry has ruined many families. Ministry has ruined many of a man. Ministry has ruined many of a woman. It is addicting and it is not God and it will crush you. Anything that's not God will crush you. So this, this scripture, why do I have this here today? Why do I have this here today? Because I went through all of this board of directors meetings this week and my mind is absolutely full of all that Loon Mountain Ministry does. Because one of the things that we needed to do, right, is to look at 2019. Can you believe that? 2019, right? We're about ready to be in 2020. Like that, that number used to seem so crazy to me when, right, when we had 2000, right, when I shut the main breaker off, when we did a happy, happy, uh, happy, you know, happy New Year's, and everyone's like, ah, that was fun that day. Um, to think of 2020, that's just crazy. But we're almost there. So my head's full of all that we do. And the Lord brought this to me. And do you know how the glorious presence of the Lord fills Loon Mountain Ministry? What happens before this? What happens before the presence of the Lord in this verse? Look at this. Solomon finished praying. If you've got a pencil or, or, a, or a highlighter or a pen, 
I want you to circle praying. I'm really bad at it. I have got such spiritual ADD that when I go to pray, I'm like, oh, the Packers and the Patriots play tonight at 8.30. Do I have a ride there? What are we going to make for food? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, they traded HaHa Clinton dicks. Okay, that means that they're going to be weak on the right side and the back. I bet Brady knows that. That's I got ADD. And then I get off of that. I go, no, 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 Lord, I should be praying. I should be praying. And I begin praying. And then all of a sudden, I start praying for my brother Blair. And I go, Blair and I have not been to the top of First Ledge in a long time. Oh, you know what? His cousin hasn't been there either. We should go. We should go. And then I'm like, oh, no, I should pray. I should pray. And then I start praying about the ministry. And I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, bring snow. Oh, snow. Remember that snow that we had on the backside of Sugarloaf my junior year in high school? Oh, my word, I almost drowned in snow. That's what I do when I pray. And I don't think that the Lord cares. He's all right with that. He's like, wow, you know? But it's all right. I'm just hanging out with my father. And he's like, oh, my. you know, I love my, my children. And one of the things is my daughter, Abishay, will just talk a mile a minute. And a lot of times when we're hiking, she'll just keep talking and 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 talking. And it's great. And I'm just hiking. And imagine this. Marcus not talking. She, she, I mean, she gets it from me. I know. But I'm not talking while we're hiking. I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, one, because I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Right? But I picture that's what we should be. She feels very comfortable in my presence. And she just starts going. And that's what the Lord's looking for you. He's not looking for you to be well orated or well put together or anything, right? So prayer. What happens? For, what needs to happen for the presence of the Lord to be in Loon Mountain Ministry? Prayer. Then the next thing. I want you to circle. Offerings. Offerings. No, this isn't a part of the sermon where I get guilty that you need to give to the church, although you should give to the church. This is offering, meaning I offer. Right? I offer. I offer it all. I offer it all. When I came to ask Heidi to be my wife, I offered everything. It wasn't much. I was like, hey, babe, I've, I've got a contract that says this Christian camp's going to pay me $6,000. That's my, that's my contract. I offer that to you. And they also said that we could have a log cabin that no one's lived year-round in, ever. So if you would like to uh, evict some squirrels and some raccoons and a porcupine we got a house and yes we need to put some stuff in that corner because the snow comes in and lands on our bed it did actually woke up in the there's snow on our bed there was a hole in the center in the corner of the log cabin right jesus is asking for all that you have because when you give him all that you have you give him credit for saying none of it's mine anyway So whether it be your money, it be your time, right? It be your talents. Treasure time and talents. That's what they say. That'll show you who you're worshiping. Where's your treasure? Where's your time? And where's your talent? That'll show you who you're worshiping. If you want to know who you're worshiping, take a look at your calendar. If you want to know who you're worshiping, take a look at your checkbook. If you want to know who you're worshiping, look at where you use your talents the most. Now listen. That doesn't mean you can't have an awesome job. You should. We need you to. You know, that doesn't mean that you can't be using your talents to serve your town and your family. Those are all great things. But the kingdom of God is worth our time, our talent, and our treasure. Okay, so we got prayer, we got offerings, and the last one, sacrifice. This ain't easy. Right? I told you a couple weeks ago that there's a missionary that went to China from England and everyone told him he was crazy for going. 
And he said, the work of God is first and foremost impossible. Then the work of God is difficult. And then the work of God is done. He said, there's three phases to the work of God. Impossible, difficult, done. (laughs) Sign me up, right? Sacrifice, sacrifice. This is what I love about it. You guys want the firepower of God at Loon Mountain Ministry? I do. I want the firepower of God. Prayer, offerings, sacrifice. What happened? Fire flashed down from heaven and burnt them up. I don't know about you, but I want some firepower. I love firepower, right? Nothing better than some good old firepower. I'll never forget one time I had a cousin who owned a redemption center, a liquor store, and a corner store in Barrie, Vermont. When you own those establishments, you have connections. And uh, my cousin Clarence was his name. We called him Chuck. Had some connections to some fireworks. They were under-the-counter fireworks. Illegal. And he would bring us these fireworks that were like the size of this cup. Right? And they weren't fireworks. They were just explosives. One was an M80. One was an M120. One was an M160. And one was an M210 or something like that. We'd put one of these on a fence post out in the field. Had a wick about this big. We'd light it, and we'd head for the hills. And then this repercussion where your hair literally would go, your hair would move, and the inside of you would go, right? And then we'd go, the fence post would disappear. The, The entire fence post, a cedar fence post, this tall would be gone, and there'd be a little hole in the ground with a little bit of smoke coming out of it. Now, that was really stupid because we could have got cedar right in the head. We're like, ah, it disappeared. Well, one time... Our cousin gave us this thing, and it kind of like, it looked kind of like a small hedgehog, right? It had all these kind of like, paper was around and stuff, but it had like this long of a wick. When something has this long of a wick, it has it for a reason. We didn't know. Everything else he'd given to us went boom, right? It just made a huge boom. So you could be from like here to the window back there, and you'd be okay. Well, what did we do? We put that on a fence post with a wick this long, and we lit it. Then we walked from here to the fence post. Why is this wick so long? This is weird. You know what it was? It was a mortar shell that's supposed to go in the air. So it went poof. It went about five feet off the uh, fence post, and then it fell next to the fence post into the field going this. And then... A, you know, what do they call that? A plume, a cloud that filled this entire room. This was commercial size fireworks, folks. We were in it. We were in it. I mean, there was red things and green things and orange things blowing up right. And all I saw was my father. He looked like one of those weird mad scientists. I just see this black silhouette like this. That's all I saw was a silhouette of my father near it going, oh, right? <laughs> and the whole field lit up orange, red, and green. And we called our cousin. He's like, no, you're supposed to put that in a metal pipe in the ground. It shoots it in the air. We're like, you didn't tell us that. I love firepower. 
And for firepower, we need the presence of the Lord. Because the presence of me is going to do jack. It's just going to let you down. It's going to make you grumpy. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm broken. The presence of music, the presence of good programming, all that's going to let you down. Prayer, offerings, sacrifice. That's what we need to bring. And the Lord will bring the firepower, which is cool. Anybody watch the World Series, the Red Sox winning the World Series? Anybody? A couple? All right, right. How many like Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts is one of my favorite players. One of my favorite things about Mookie Betts is that the Red Sox did not go out, pay big money. The Red Sox didn't go out and, and, and get him from a different team. The Red Sox grew him. They brought him into his farm system, let him play. I think he even played in Portland, Maine, the Sea Dogs, played down in Pawtucket, right? And then he came up through, and now he, I mean, he's, he's like MVP, unbelievable, right? I love my brother Nathan. That's like my brother Nathan over here. Nathan came to us as a wet behind the ears intern three years ago, right? We drafted him out of the system and put him into the farm league. We love Nathan, and, and up came Nathan through Loon Mountain Ministry, working with our youth and, and working with the different things that we do and outreach and working at Loon. And we get to like two to three years of having him, and, and Drew and I begin seeing, man, this kid's gifted. This kid has a heart for people. He has a calling on his life towards pastoral ministry. This is really, really cool. So we said, hey, bro, you need to go get some tools in your toolbox. You need to go to Bible school. That's going to require a lot of time, and you're going to have to pay some for it. And most people would have said, no way, bro. I can go and be a pastor somewhere else, which they probably could, actually. There's a lot of churches that are so desperate right now, they'd take whatever. But, but Nathan said, yeah, I, I agree. And so he left this place, this utopia, where he skied 100 days a year. You know, you're probably only going to ski what this year? 20, maybe? Ball, maybe? Yeah. Eh? Right? And so I'm not going to call him up here right now, but Nathan's home this weekend visiting uh, I hope you get a chance to say hi to him at the meal after church. Get to know him, where, where, what, how, what's God teaching him at Bible school, what's going on. Um, we prayed and talked a lot about what does the future of Loon Mountain Ministry look like this weekend. Nathan's name came up quite a bit. Uh, Nathan's going to be a big part of helping Drew while I'm gone next summer on my sabbatical. So Nathan's going to kind of take the lion head of some of the things that, that I do, which is going to be really, really cool for him to come out of Bible school and kind of get in the sandbox and start playing with the toys, you know, which is really cool. No, you're not a sandbox. Not at least one that the cat goes in. Um, that was very nice. Um, but oh, we're really excited. We're really, really, really excited about Nathan. So uh, this is Communion Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month. Uh, communion was something that was really difficult for me as a pastor uh, to think through. And I knew how the, the value of it. I knew the importance of it. But Loon Mountain Ministry is such a transient population. And people have so many different ideas on on. on, on um, on communion. Communion is one of those hot topic items, kind of like parenting and politics, right? You don't want to talk about some of those things because uh, everyone has a different fee- feel and vibe. At Loon Mountain Ministry, you decide, no, it's important. So we're going to just enter into the awkwardness. We're going to enter into the tension and say, this is valuable. This is worth it. To remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Messiah, our Savior, the one who gave himself for me and for you and for the whole world. So how we said we like to do this here is we don't, we don't like it to be isolated. We don't like it just, just to just be isolated. There's going to be a moment where you can pray and you talk to the Lord and you bring your stuff to him and say, Lord, I, I know I'm broken. And broken people are welcome to have communion here. I'm going to have communion. You can be pretty broken to have communion in this church. All right? But what we, what we ask is 
that you, that you have a faith in Jesus Christ, that you have given your life to him and said, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. It doesn't have to be perfect, not even close to perfect. We call it an open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. Good thing because no one would have communion this morning because we don't have membership. All right? So you don't have to be a member here. It's called open communion. So what we do is we're going to take it in the back. Drew's going to come and sing a song, uh, and then he's going to close in a word of prayer. I'll be in the back, right? If communion is something you feel uncomfortable with, we do not want you to feel uncomfortable here. If you do not come and partake with communion with us, no one cares. We're not going to look at you. We're going to be like, hey, we're just really glad you're here, right? And communion isn't something magical. Nothing magical is happening here. All we're doing is remembering Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You know what communion is? Communion is this. See this right here? This is my wedding ring. Is this my marriage? No, I hope not, because it's rubber, and I broke one just like it a couple weeks ago. Right? That would be this was my marriage. My marriage. My marriage is my choice and my commitment to stay faithful to Heidi. That's my marriage. This is just a symbol. You know what communion is today? Communion is a symbol. I think wedding rings are great. I think you should totally have one. If you like a rubber one, they're awesome. This guy, my friend, has a company called Recon Rings. You should check it out if, if, you, if, you, if you like rubber rings. But communion back here is a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a reminder. And communion doesn't end when we put down the cup, when we put down the bread. It just begins. So after it, there's a meal. And the communion goes right in there. It's called communion for a reason. With unity. Community. All these beautiful words, communion. So we hope that you can stay and hang out for the meal. If not, that's okay. Um, you know, so we're going to sing a song. We're going to transition. If you have little ones, little ones are totally welcome to take communion. If you would just as a parent kind of guide them. I will be back there. What will happen is I'll bring out the bread and you will walk up and you'll break a priest off. And I, I suggest break one off and give it to a brother. Break one off and give it to a sister. Look them in the eye and say... Jesus broke his body for you. Jesus broke his body for you. And then later we'll take the cup. And we'll pour out. I, share, I say, I share it. Jesus poured out his blood as a drink offering for you and for me. And we'll, and we'll take the communion back there together. And if that's not your thing, that's okay. I want you to hear my voice right now. It's all right if you don't end up back there and taking it with us. But right afterwards, we're going to open up that window back there. And food is going to fall out like waterfall. And I'm going to be there to catch it. And I hope you join me. Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you for your body and your blood. We thank you for the presence. We thank you for the glorious presence that was not held in the temple over in Egypt. I mean, over in Israel, excuse me. But Lord, by the by your death, resurrection, you brought the presence of the living God to anyone that would put their faith, hope, and trust in you. So in your name we pray. Amen.